Welcome to the Got Your Six podcast. This podcast brings together current service members and veteran high performers to share their methods, strategies, and ideas delivered in an informative and most importantly, actionable way that'll help you lead yourself and those around you from the battlefield to the boardroom. Coming to you every episode, I'm your host, Tony Nash, and into the breach. Nothing mentioned on this podcast is an endorsement or opinion of the Department of Defense. I got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. I got your six. Sixers, what an unbelievable treat we have today. And when I say treat, I mean, this is going to be a delicious episode. Greg Fisher, (laughs) co-founder of Bird Pit Barbecue is joining us. Greg, thank you so much for coming on the Gotcha Six podcast. Hey, Tony, you know, it's it's my pleasure. I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to be out here and to uh, talk with you. So as we were kind of talking before the show started, right, like the connections between being in the Marines and then now starting a barbecue business, where do you think is like the most like common thread that you constantly see every day? I'd say just the unknown, like what is the day going to bring? You know, maybe overseas in combat, you you, you never know what you're going to get, you know, and being a small business owner, it's kind of the same way. You never know what's going to happen. And then you're always uh, kind of firefighting, you know, challenges as they come up. So I could see that the, those are probably the, the two things that I compare it to quite a bit. How do you prepare for the unknown, especially as an entrepreneur? I know you have a little bit of background, especially in finance. How do you approach that? Because everybody kind of looks at it a little bit differently. Um, yeah, I think for me, it's just like already having an understanding, like there are going to be challenges that come my way that I'm not going to have the answer to right away. Um, and, and, you know, coming from that perspective and that understanding, it allows me a lot of opportunity and flexibility to seek, seek those answers and, you know, be truthful and, um, authentic with my audience and my customers that, Hey, I don't have all the right answers, but I'm going to find it for you. And we're going to still get the job done. But I think that, uh, that honesty and that integrity, um, is what we kind of base our entire business off of. And when you talk about that honesty, integrity, can you give us a recent example where you kind of had to go and apply that? That was, you know, like you said, authentic to you and the brand and what you and the team are doing. Yeah. So we get approached quite a bit um, for partnerships and, you know, people wanting us to promote their products. We do have quite a, a large social media following on Instagram and Facebook. So we get approached all the time. And, you know, one of the things that we want to make sure that we continue to do is to serve our customers, and our clients. So anytime we, we look at a partnership or a potential partnership, we need to dive more into what that business is. What do they, you know, what do they do and how does it fit in? Does this really have or add value to who we're trying to serve? So recently we've had to turn down a few partners that or potential partnerships because it just didn't fit in a line with, you know, the values that we have and then the, the value that we want to bring to our existing clients and, and customers. Where do you think, you know, that understanding of honesty and integrity and like authenticity comes from? Was that something you took away from your time in the Marine Corps or is there somebody else that you can kind of look to and like say like, hey, I can see you smiling so I can already hear the story? Well, it's a little bit of both, right? So, you know, anybody that goes through military boot camp, you get a little bit of that instilled in you right away is, you know, making sure that uh, you're being true to yourself and, and true to the mission. But for, you know, us being entrepreneurs and businessmen, me and my business partner, we continue to grow and evolve. So we've always wanted to improve who we are have growth mindset. So a lot of that has to do with, you know, being who we are, not trying to be somebody else and uh, obviously taking pieces of what we like and, you know, incorporating that with who we are. But ultimately we have to be 
you know, I have to be Greg and in my business, so Ben has to be Ben. And people see through if you're trying to be somebody you're not. So we just figured, hey, let's be ourselves and and uh, see where it takes us. Now, how did you find out who Greg is, right? Like that that's like a heavy <laughs> question, right? That requires a lot. It's a very complex problem. You got to boil down to something simply like walk us through that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it took a while. It took a while. Even after, you know, I transitioned out of the Marine Corps, I was still searching for who I was post-military career. Cause for, you know, since I was 18 till I was 22, I was a U.S. Marine who was involved heavily overseas in combat. And now I had to come back home to Wisconsin and find out who, who Greg is. And it took me years to do that. And the only way that I could figure out, you know, who I was and who I continue to be is, to continue to grow and learn and try different things and put myself in uncomfortable positions so I could continue to grow and truly find out who I was. It, you know, it took years and I'm still, I'm still learning, but uh, it took a lot of time and um, I don't think that process will ever end. What are some of those uncomfortable positions you put yourself in? Well, I, you know, being kind of an introvert by nature, you know, things like this, uh, talking about myself. And, you know, when I was in the corporate world, I would take on tasks that weren't necessarily assigned to me, but um, you might call them stretch roles, um, where I'd get up in front of audiences and I'd speak, you know, something that didn't come natural to me that I had to work on, that I had to learn about. So those types of things, I'd say, um, and then, you know, trying to you know put myself in a position to be recognized uh, and in leadership roles, maybe before I was ready for them um, as a way to continue to grow and build that skill set. Now you talked about being in front of an audience and being an introvert, right? Not being something you were most comfortable with. What did that look like in terms of rehearsing and preparing for that actual moment? And then what your thoughts and feelings were after the event? Yeah. So early on in my career and, you know, when I was first starting to speak um, on stage in front of audiences or virtually like this, you know, there was hours of prep work behind that. Like I had to get down to what I wanted to talk about and then I'd go through it. You know, sometimes I would record myself sometimes I wouldn't. But then, you know, looking back and going through the debrief of that, okay, I'd always ask people who were close to me that might have been there, you know, what resonated with you, what worked well, hey, what didn't you like about how I delivered it or how I was talking. Um, So those types of things is always constantly getting feedback. And again, being humble and uh, not knowing, like knowing that I I'm not perfect and there's always going to be opportunities for me to get better. So setting my ego aside, even if I don't like what I'm going to hear, but taking that feedback and using it because it's ultimately going to make me a a better speaker or a better person. Um, So that's kind of how I approached it early on. A lot different now. Um, You know, I've done a number of podcasts. I've spoken in a a number of different large venues in front of people. So um, now it's kind of more of streamlined where I kind of know what I'm going to talk about. Um, I've had a lot of chances to, you know, practice, which is awesome. But yeah, I know it's 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 never over. So there's going to be things I'll take away from this, and I'll go back and I'll try and refine. But uh, yeah, it's just it's an ongoing process. How did you select those like trust agents essentially, right? And not, so it's not you don't always somebody that's going to like agree with you and say, hey, Greg, great job. Uh, you you want yeah. people that are going to be like, hey, that you really kind of botched it a little bit. How do you go through selecting those people? I think a lot of times they naturally um, come to you as far as the, the type of people that you surround yourself with. So like for me in a corporate environment, I, I naturally gravitate gravitated towards those folks that were, you know, up and coming or 
you know, had some initiative behind them. So I, I knew I could trust those people to give me uh, honest feedback, but then also your leaders, uh, the people that should be leading you. If, you know, you, if you can't get honest and, and direct feedback from them, um, you're probably in the wrong spot and uh, you need to find people like that. And, you know, I was fortunate throughout my time in my, my corporate career that I had people that advocated for me uh, to put me in those positions, but then also gave me honest feedback about where I still needed to improve to get better. So, you know, you should be looking and seeking out those types of leaders as well. What I'm hearing too is like, you know, not only advocacy, but also mentorship and coaching were like concurrent and maybe not always the same people, right? Because sometimes maybe that direct leader isn't your mentor, but they are still coaching and sponsoring you throughout the process. Yeah, that's correct. And it's, and it's, it shouldn't be on them. It should be on you to go seek those people out. And that's the biggest thing. One of the biggest thing I, I would recommend is like, you know, uh, when I talk to student veterans or transitioning veterans, I, I always mention, Hey, you know, nobody's going to come tap you on the shoulder to say, Hey, why don't you go lead this project? Or why don't you take over this team? Um, you have to go out and you have to find, and you have to fight for those opportunities because they're not just going to show up for you. So um, and that's kind of how I approach my career. And I seek those individuals out that are at a place where I want to be, or I admire them for a certain reason. And a lot of it, it has to do with me taking the initiative to start that conversation. So taking that initiative now and fighting for those opportunities, what does that challenge look like today? <laughs> As well, you know, for a new barbecue brand, um, the first thing is when you're looking uh, from a consumer perspective is there's a lot of unknown, right? So people don't know what your product is, what it tastes like, how good it is. So we're, we're constantly fighting, you know, the large established brands that are out there that people already know about. So seizing those types of opportunities and then going out and searching for opportunities as far as, you know, me being on this podcast with you today, Tony, you know, talking about who I am and what I do. Uh, and then also, you know, small retailers, um, butcher shops, you know, samplings, farmers markets. So we're, we're trying everything we can do to, you know, get in front of people. And I think the more that we create that momentum, the more things will start coming back to us. What do you think it is that's kind of helped? I mean, I think you've had meteoric success and it's continuing to go in the short time, right? But what is that? Do you think it's relationships and building those relationships? Or is there something else that you kind, you and Ben kind of look at and be like, this is why this is our differentiator? Yeah, I, I think relationships are very important. Um, for us, we've, um, we come from the business world where we, we were establishing networks and relationships long before we launched this business, um, which you know helped some of that uh, momentum right away. But at the same time, like that authenticity of who we are, we, we know exactly who we are and we know exactly who we're going after and targeting as far as customers. Um, we're very, very focused and hyper-focused, I would say, on a certain market. Um, so it allows us not to get distracted by all the other opportunities that might come our way that might not necessarily fit with what we're going after. So being hyper-focused, having you know the ability to build relationships as well, I think helped us quickly out of the gate, kind of knowing where we wanted to go and we could start sprinting right away. Scott Mackis on an earlier episode talked about niching down twice. How did you guys distill who you're looking at, your clientele, and making sure you're staying focused on the mission and not getting distracted by a lot of the other noise that's out there. Yeah. And, you know, we're not per perfect. We've taken opportunities. I think that, you know, if I could go back and tell myself, hey, that probably wasn't the right one for us at the time. Um, but for us, you know, we were actually look at ourselves 10 years ago. So being a barbecue and, and grilling 
you know, focus business. Uh, we initially set out to help first time grillers and barbecuers. So it was easy for us because we could put ourselves in those shoes. Right. And then also when we look at, you know, more on the retail side of selling our products, our rubs and our sauces, we wanted to dominate our home state of Wisconsin. Right now, I would say Wisconsin is probably not well known for its barbecue, but uh, for us, it's important that we need to dominate the backyard first before we start looking you know, across the country. Uh, now, we do have a national presence, but um, when it comes to our, our retail partnerships, we're very hyper-focused on just our home state first. And then when we feel we're in a good place here, then we'll start looking to branch out. But uh, that's how we kind of decided right away you know, how we're going to go after this business. And, you know, so far it's, it's worked well for us not to get too big too fast, uh, but also allowed us opportunities to grow. Do you find that you have to kind of check yourself even personally or, you know, professionally with you and Ben, where you kind of be like, Hey, we could handle a lot more, but we need to build this in a strategic way, as opposed to just kind of lighting the fire underneath and just seeing what happens. Yeah, we have those conversations weekly. Uh, we have to continue to look at opportunities that are out there and you know take advantage of the ones that present themselves to us. Uh, but then also be understanding like we're in a business to make money and we need to make sure that we continue to do that, you know, going forward. You know, is this is this an opportunity that's gonna allow us to continue to do that? Or is this gonna deviate from our mission and our focus right now and potentially, you know, take us off path? So we have those conversations almost weekly um, because we do get presented with a lot of opportunities. Um, and we just have to make sure that we're vetting those opportunities correctly. And uh, like I said, you know, we're a two-man show right now with aspirations to be a large company in the future. Um, but we also don't want to, you know, set ourselves up for failure by growing too fast and um, not delivering on some of those promises that we we want to keep to our, our existing retail partners and our customers. Yeah. Like you said, staying authentic and controlling that growth to an extent, would you say that as what has helped you both kind of continued on this upward trajectory or is there another like belief that has really been fundamental to that? Yeah. The underlying belief is that we think we have a superior product and we connect well with who our, our target market is. Uh, and we'll continue to, to beat that drum as long as we can. Um, but you know, for us to grow and to know, um, continue to know who our customers are. We are continuing to collect feedback. Um, we're also continuing to see what our uh, competitors are doing. I'm a big fan of continuing to buy what they offer so we can see what they're putting out there. But no, it, it helps us stay on, on track um, by focusing there. But no, I, I think we're always open to opportunities, but, you know, we're, we're pretty strategic on you know, how fast we, we go and we search those out. You mentioned this earlier, right? You talked, you just talked about staying on track and seeking out the right opportunities. And, but in the past, that always hasn't been the case. And obviously in the future, there might happen too. Can you talk about a failure, that, whether, you know, with Burn Pit Barbecue or in the military that was just absolutely massive, but ultimately led to just such an incredible success that it kind of like knocked you back and like, oh, if it wasn't for this, it, I wouldn't have gone here. Yeah, I'd say early on in Burn Pit, you know, keeping it kind of recent, um, not everything's been perfect for us. Uh, we, when we first introduced our sauces at the beginning of 2021, our sauces come bottled in glass bottles. So when we were initially shipping those out to our customers that were buying them from us, uh, we found that... Um, you know, the, the people that were delivering those bottles don't take as much care as we do here internally. So within the first week of us launching those products and then shipping those, we probably had a 50% break rate. So half of the bottles we sent out were arriving to our customers broken. 
right? So, yeah, so, it, okay, initial challenge. Okay, we, <laughs> let's triage. Let's triage this right now. What's going on? What's happening? Oh, well, our packaging isn't that great, so it's getting broken on the way. Why is that happening? Well, we learned that, you know, the post offices have large conveyor belts that sometimes drop, you know, six, nine feet. And then, you know, our glass bottles are snapping at the neck. Okay. All right. Well, we got to package, you know, these differently, but in the meantime, we need to get new bottles out to these customers at our cost because that, that was our miscalculation. Um, but what, you know, ultimately what happened was those customers were extremely grateful um, that we sent them a new bottle right away, no cost to them. And, you know, we righted that wrong and those customers continue to be with us today, you know, nearly a year later uh, because we did that. So I think um, from that standpoint, you could look at that as ultimately a failure, but it allowed us a lot of learning opportunities as far as how we package, uh, how we send glass bottles. And I can say it's been a long time since we've had a breakage in the mail because of those things that we learned early on and those um you know, that, that happens, you know, we could have looked at that and just be like, oh man, this is terrible. But no, we just said, okay, let's, let's pivot, let's move on and let's learn from this and make sure it doesn't happen again. So what ended up being the fix for how you package the bottle? Yeah, very, um, at least initially right away was uh, a lot of bubble wrap and uh, tape and the packing paper. And we've continued to refine that process and we're not done yet. Uh, we'll continue to research and invest in, in new you know, technologies, so to speak. But um, we're always looking for ways to, uh, again, you know, reduce our shipping costs, but then also maintain, you know, the integrity of the products that we send out. So that's always an ongoing um, research and development phase. So as you look at R&D too, specifically, we sometimes we talk, we talk about innovation. Where do you kind of look outside of the box, outside of the condiment realm and space to kind of get insight to what you're doing to do it better? Yeah, I mean, we look at companies that we follow and that we naturally, you know, buy from. Um, so, you know, one one company that comes to mind that we followed since they started was Black Rifle Coffee. You know, you know, yeah, maybe similar industries, but you know, different at the same time. So, you know, we always look at what they're doing. You know, how are they packaging? How are they, you know, how are they presenting their products? So, you know, what are they doing? So things like that. So we we look outside. You know, coffee is a big one that we look at. There's a lot of other companies that we. Um, look up to in the coffee space that might that's you you might not necessarily think barbecue but you know their brand and what they offer is pretty similar to what we are um and then you know some other things locally here you know we look at what some of the local butchers and meat markets you know johnsonville brats is is close by here um, we have clement sausages so we, we look at you know competitors that are not competitors but people in similar industries what are they doing um how are they continuing to get it, you know, their customers excited, what new products are they bringing to life and how are they marketing? Um, so those are some of the, the ways that we continue to look and evolve um, because we know we don't have all the answers and we look to some of those other more established brands to help us, you know, get there faster. I absolutely love that. And Greg, as we kind of wrap up, I got one last question, right? You've talked constantly throughout about this growth mindset and what that looks like, you know, long-term. So let's break it down to the micro real quick. Greg Fisher, how are you better today than yesterday? I could tell you this because it just happened. Um, so we we have our products on Amazon, um, Amazon, and we work with a, a partner that helps us th there. But you know, we do our, all of our in-house ads. Um, so I do those. Um, so I, whatever ads you see on Amazon or whatever, we help with the creative. And we recently did a video. Well. Our video was rejected by Amazon because of the frames per second 
was a little bit over than what they require. So I had to learn how to reduce the frame per second in that video, which I just did before I got on this podcast. So that's how I'm better today right now. Greg, where can people go to learn more about you and Burn Pit Barbecue? Yeah, you can always go to our website. We're out there, burnpitbbq.com. And then also on the social medias, Facebook is Burn Pit BBQ. On Instagram, it's Burn Pit BBQ Guys. And then um, you, you can find me on LinkedIn, Greg Fisher. That's where I put a lot of my content relating to growth and you know development. Um, so uh, more of a personal feel. Greg, we'll make sure we link all of that in the show notes for this episode. Thank you so much for sharing your strategies, your methods, your ideas. And most importantly, thanks for having our six. Appreciate it. Yeah. No, my pleasure, Tony. I appreciate it. Sixers, thank you for listening to another episode of the Got Your Six podcast. If you got something out of this, be a battle buddy. Share with a friend, pass it along. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, make sure you leave us a review and give us as many stars as you think we warrant because we love what we do here at the Got Your Six podcast. We're always adapting and evolving this podcast because of you, the Sixers. And if you're listening on Spotify, hit that follow button. You'll never miss an episode when we drop new ones every Monday. I don't know what you've been told, Sixers, but the lawyers would like us to remind you that the views, opinions, and comments expressed on the Got Your Six podcast are solely those of the hosts or guests to include current and previous Department of Defense employees and should in no way be considered the opinions of or endorsements on behalf of the Department of Defense or any of its components, divisions, contractors, or other current and previous staff members.